0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's young adult service. We hope this message encourages you and thank you for joining us. Okay. So, 2 weeks ago I'm I'm here preached in Sunday morning. Were you here? Yes. You heard the message. Okay. I don't care if it was good. I just you know, really, I preach a message, and I—it's not a matter. And thank you for saying it's good. Well, yeah. I—I ask the Holy Spirit that I—if I just want to—I—I I ask the Holy Spirit that I may be a messenger, that it may go in the hearts of people. That's all I ask. I'm not here. Whether you—you you know, that was a five, or that was a two. You know, I'm looking for a ten, but no. Uh, I really don't care. I'm here as a messenger of God, and I know when I have a word. And I have a word tonight. I know when I have it. That message two weeks, two weeks ago when I, or a week ago when I spoke, the Lord gave it to me within 30 minutes. He just put it together, and he did the same thing tonight. Because when you, we were talking. I knew I had another message just to fit in with that. So two weeks ago, or a week ago, I'm speaking about it's post-resurrection. The Holy Spirit comes on. Then what happens after Easter? 50 days after Easter, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene and he goes, boom! And he bursts the church. Now, you, we, we often think, wow, the resurrection power, that's for me, and it is. It's for me. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will also quicken, he will also quicken your mortal body. That's why I can believe for healing like I did. And sometimes it comes in different ways. But also, you have to understand that the resurrection actually was the way in which God then birthed the church. Because the church couldn't be birthed with Jesus on the earth. It had to be birthed with the Holy Spirit on the earth. Right? You, you you follow me? There's going to be some good notes tonight, Ricky. Okay, in just a little bit. So you're going to start writing. You're going to write real fast, okay? So, as I spoke that uh, week ago or so, I just felt this, this compulsion of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what I'm trying to get into the, into the world. It is the culture antithetical solution. In other words, the problem we're having in the world today with all this stuff, I mean, I could go into a whole realm of biblical worldview, what God thinks, theology, eschatology, put it all together and make your head swim, and then say that's your answer, because it really is. But what God wants to do, he wants to, and I've read this, out of Matthew 16, 18, where it says, and you are Peter, and upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. In other words, God is a builder, right? And and then he goes on, and then he says, and I'm gonna give you the keys of the kingdom, and you're gonna bind on earth, and will be bound in heaven, and you're gonna loose on earth, and it'll be loose in heaven. And he says all those things. He, taught, he brings the, the church and the kingdom together. And I mentioned this that you are born into the kingdom, but you're added to the church. You're not born into the church, you're added to the church. In other words, you were born into the natural world, but you were added to a family. And so we've got to understand that that if we're going to be a part of the church of the living God, we have to be builders. Now, let me ask you how are you building the church right now? What are you doing to build the church? Now, if you just come once a week and attend a 90-minute service or maybe two, wow, I'm really good, i two a week. Uh, Is that building the church? I would say, no. You're probably helping you, but you're not really building the church. And I'm gonna explain that in just a minute because we're gonna talk about how how you can do this and how you can get involved in, in, in this. So here we are. Once you're born in the kingdom you're added to the church you have to be now I've got I've got theology and books that I could plop down in your lap to prove to you that if you don't attend church and if you're not a part of a local church you're probably not a real Christian you're probably not even a true believer because you cannot be a believer without being in community You weren't made for it. It's just like you were made to have God in you and you're also made to be in relationship with others who were the body of Christ. If you're not a part of the body of Christ, how can you live? Think about this. If I take your your index finger and I cut it off, I'm not gonna do it, okay? But if I cut it off, what dies, the finger or the body? This is not a trick question. The, the finger dies, right? The finger dies. They, that's, that's the way it is in the church. You're a part, you're a member, you're a body member. You're a nose, a ear, a kidney, whatever you are. A toe. But if you remove yourself from the body, does the body die or does the member die? The member dies. Just a little thought. Okay. So here we are. We're all members of the body of Christ. You've been birthed into the kingdom. If you receive Jesus Christ, you're alive. You're alive. You've ne- you were never alive until you received Jesus. Right. Then you're alive. And then God makes you a part or a member of the body of Christ. Right? right? Yeah. And, and you've got to find that place. Most, uh, so many Christians, they, they, they go all their lives. They go to church and they do a few things and they pray and they read their word, but they don't really become and understand the gift that God has given to them as being a member of the body of Christ. What do you do as a member? You build up, you build up the body. You're, you're functioning somehow. A kidney filters things. And like Shane said, Pastor Shane, this morning, if you get rid of your little finger, I mean, it's hard to operate. I, I did that. I mean, I played basketball in college and I can remember going to, uh, we're down in a, in a uh, tournament down in Pasadena and a ball hit my finger and uh, it just destroyed I mean, I, I don't know what happened, but this finger was clear out of joint. So my coach comes up to me and pulls it wow. to get it back in, in place. And it didn't work. <laughs> oh. oh, and I was like, ah! So they took me to the hospital. They had to see which one. Yeah, it's this one. See how it's still crooked. Um, And I couldn't play for for a while because I didn't realize how important that little finger was. Really, I didn't. I didn't realize how important you don't realize how important you are. If you stop functioning, something is lacking. Once you put yourself in the body, you gotta operate in it. Okay, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, anoint our words, let us hear the word of the Lord, and let the power of God come upon us, in Jesus' name, amen. Now this may be the best message or the worst message, depending upon your receiving. He that has ears, let him hear. So I'm gonna gonna try to explain something to you uh, as you are in the in the body in the church, and uh, I'm gonna uh, gonna th- throw away some notes because I don't have time for that. And uh, uh, remember what I said: the church must be public in its uh, in its representation in the culture. We cannot be inside the church only. We come in here for instruction, impartation, and anointing. We go out there for distri- distribution. On, yeah. This is kind of our receiving place where we receive our product and then we go out and distribute. Yeah. That was really good. I didn't think about that. that was really good. And so we've, we've got to become a producers and product managers and take what God has given to us out in the world in the public sphere. Now what the world wants us to do is stay in the house. Because if we go out there, we ruin everything that they think is important. And so, I read a scripture, and I'm going to read it again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. Then I'm going to cut another couple of scriptures. Sorry, I didn't get this to you, Mary, but I'll, get, I'll read the other ones too. It says in Colossians 3, 12 through 17, You must be tender-hearted, kind, humble, meek, and ready to put up with anything. You must bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against someone else, you must forgive each other. On top of all this, you must put on love, which ties everything together and makes it complete. And whatever you do in word or action, do everything in the name of the Master Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. These are the virtues of the Christian community, the body of Christ, what I just read to you. And so you must, we must work at those. Now, let me read you two other scriptures having to do with uh, what we're to do in, in the church. The first one is, is Acts chapter two. I read this uh, a week ago or so, but I wanna read it again. Acts chapter two, verses 40. And with many other words he testified, this is Peter, and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. You've gotta be saved from this perverse generation. How do you get saved from the perverse generation? Listen to what he says. This is how you save yourself. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. you got to receive the word. you got to get baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then he goes on. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then when they did that, that's how they saved themselves. Then when they did that... They, the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. If we do the work of the Bible in the church that is designated here, you will start seeing signs and wonders. It is because the church does not operate in true adherence to God's word. It says, Now all who believe were together and had all things in common. In other words, there was a joint unity that took place. And, and it says, And they sold their possessions. This is crazy. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Now notice this, daily. What did it say? Daily. Daily. Every day they were with each other. Either in the house or in the temple, it says. And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In other words, there's a lot of tabling going on. There's a lot of eating going on. If you, get, if you go to the Bible, there's a lot of food. There's a lot of eating. Now think about this. What, where, where was Jesus with the 12 disciples? He was at the Last Supper. They're eating. He, he goes everywhere he's going, he's eating. After the resurrection, he's on the, he's on the seashore. What's he doing? He's cooking breakfast. What, what happens after, after, we, after Jesus Christ comes back for us? We have the Mary's Supper of the Lamb. We have a supper together. Come on, this eating thing is just all over heaven. So we're, we're going to enjoy food forever. It's just the way, if you don't like to eat, you're not going to like heaven. If you like to eat, you're going to love heaven. Okay? So, we, we see this, and now watch this as we close. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Why aren't we having daily people added to the church? Maybe we're not doing the preceding things. Yeah. Oh, so this is, a, this is a key scripture. Now, I got to go to one of the scriptures, go to Philippians. Actually, Tracy mentioned this. Philippians chapter two, one of my favorite scriptures. Let me read it from two verse to about verse eight or so. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, this is Philippians two, verse one. If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection in mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. What if we did that? Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do you know every, every Sunday I do that? I'm looking out. I walk, the, I walk the hallways. I walk the aisles. I go out in the, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm asking questions of people. What am I doing? Trying to find their interest and in how we can help. And so it goes on and it says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, let it be in you who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That is a powerful scripture. So, as the... As the church I mentioned was birthed by the Holy Spirit, the first thing, I mentioned this uh, a week ago, the first thing we have to do is we have to learn to be cognizant and to be very hearing of the Holy Spirit. If you will start being a hearer, you will start operating in ways you never, ever thought possible. You, he will tell you things during the week, not just on Sundays. You'll get in your car and he'll tell you, nah, don't go that way this week. Go this way. And he will, in a store, he'll say something to you. And he'll, he does it to me a lot. Sometimes I don't listen and then he, did you hear me? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? We are his servants. Now, so as church members... We have been shaped and formed to serve God. The, re, the way you were made, you were made to, to uh, 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 be like you are because God made you to serve him and the only way you will actually operate in him is to operate by the Holy Spirit in such a way that you're his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10, I read this scripture before, for we as are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. The word workmanship is poem. It's poem. In other words, you're a work of art. You're a poem. You're a narrative. You're a story. You have been made in such a way that all earth will read your poetry. If you operate, if you operate in 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 the realm that, that he asks you to, so he's handcrafted you. In other words, you're a handcrafted being. That is inserted into the body of Christ in the church. This is why the church is so important. I, I could go off on the church that I don't have time. The church is so important, it's the most important thing. It is God's uh, it's God's plan for the for the universe. And we come to church, oh yeah, go on church today, yeah, go on church, yeah, yeah. And we don't even realize how important it is. We don't realize we're going to the very presence of God, the one, the guy who created everything, the creator of the universe. We're going into his presence to receive instructions to know how we are to operate personally and how the church is to operate congruently and in unity together. Wow. And so, but what we do, we, 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 become, we become anesthetized. We become, we, we go into church, it's just normal. You should not ever come to church and think it's normal. Now, we may do normal things, but we serve a supernatural, supernormal God. And he wants to do things in you. Now, are you still with me? So you're, you're crafted this way, in a certain way. You have certain gifts and callings. You have, you have arenas of influence that no one else has. You do. You have these arenas of, of influence. And we need to grab a hold of this and, and see how important it was. Now, I said other things. I'm going to now jump into what I really wanted to say. And I've oh, wasted a lot of time here. Not, not wasted, but... So, here you have to understand this. The Bible's very clear. The greatest people in God's eyes are the servants. It says, so Jesus called to them and said, Mark 10:42. As you know, the kings, the great men of the earth, lord over the people, but among you it is different. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be greatest of all must be the slave of all. Every single day of our lives, we face this this simple test of greatness. Exalt yourself or humble yourself. If I could preach a message to the whole world, I might preach this one. Because whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Which the antithesis of that, if you... Exalt yourself, you will be humbled. Humbled by God. So it's a decision to serve. Now think about this. Uh, In Numbers 14, 24, it says, My servant Caleb thinks differently and follows me completely. In Philippians 2, 5, which I just read, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. So, servanthood. Now, I'm starting in on this. You're going to need to take notes fast on this, because I'm going to talk fast. Servanthood requires a mental shift a change in your attitudes. It is the most important thing in the body of Christ as a member of the body of Christ. God is always more interested in why we do something than in what we do. Attitudes count more than achievements. King Amaziah lost God's favor because it says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with a true heart. Real servant, number of God, with a mindset of several attitudes. Let me give those to you. Number one, real servants are self-forgetful. Now, this is the important thing. Remember, Jesus proved this. If we're going to have a living, vital, expressive church run by the Holy Spirit, expressed in the world in public, we have got to become servants. Now, I'm just telling you right now, that's not easy. It's one of the hardest things we do. But... Real servants are self-forgetful. In other words, they focus on others, not themselves. This is true humility. Not thinking less of yourselves, but thinking of, other, of ourselves less. Okay, Paul said, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. This is what it means to lose your life. Forgetting yourself in service to others. When we stop focusing on our needs, we become aware of the needs around us. Jesus emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. That's what he did. And when was the last time you emptied yourself for someone else's benefit? You can't be a servant if you're full of yourself. It's only when we forget ourselves that we do the things that deserve to be remembered. So a lot of, a, a lot of our service even today is often self-serving. We, we serve to get others to like us, to be admired, to achieve our goals. That's manipulation, not ministry. All the time, now, I, can I tell you, this, this, is, this is one of my life messages. If we don't become servants, if you don't love those who are unlovable, you are, you are no better than a Pharisee, the Bible says. Do you know how I know you're a servant and you're a lover? is when you love people that are unlovable. I mean, I could tell you stories, but I don't have time to, I wanna get this done. All, All the time we're really thinking about ourselves, so much of our serving, and how noble and wonderful we are. Some people try to use service as a bargaining tool with God. I'll do this for you, God, if you do something for me. Real servants don't try to use God for their purposes. They let God use them for his purposes. We need to have this self-quality self of, of self-forgetfulness. The quality of self-forgetfulness. Like faithfulness is extremely rare. This is powerful. Out of all the people Paul knew. Now listen, this, this, is, this is powerful. Out of all the people Paul knew, Timothy was the only example he could point to to self-forgetfulness and faithfulness. Thinking like a servant is difficult because it challenges the basic problem of life. I am by nature Selfish. I think most about me. You do. I do. We do. We think most about ourselves. That's why humility is a daily struggle. The opportunity to be a a servant confronts me dozens of times a day where I'm given the chance to decide between meeting my needs or the needs of others. Be a pastor in the middle of the night and get a call. pastors in many ways it's just like being a doctor you're on call all the time and what are you going to do because you self-denial is the core of servanthood you have to deny yourself and we, we can measure our servant's heart by how we respond when others treat us like servants or slaves in other words how do you react when you're taken for granted you're bossed around or treated as inferior The message paraphrase of Bible, Matthew 5, 41, says, if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. Number two, you still with me? You are taking notes? Real servants think like stewards, not owners. Oh, I'm going to touch you tonight on this one. They remember God owns it all. In the Bible, a steward was a servant entrusted to manage an estate. Joseph was this kind of servant As a prisoner in Egypt, first Potiphar entrusted Joseph with his home, then the jailer entrusted Joseph with his jail. Eventually, Pharaoh entrusted the entire nation to him. Servanthood and stewardship go together. And since God expects us to be trustworthy in both, the Bible says the one thing required of such servants is that they be faithful to their master. Now, so here's the question. How are you handling the resources God has entrusted you? That will determine if you're really a servant or not. For to become a real servant, you're going to have to settle the issue of money in your life. I told you I was going to touch you. Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. He didn't say you shouldn't serve both. He said you cannot serve both. It is mutually living for ministry and living for money are are mutually exclusive goals. Which one are you going to (laughs) choose? If you're a servant of God, you can't moonlight for yourself. All your time belongs to God. He insists on exclusive allegiance about ministry. The Bible's very clear. God uses money. Uh, You hear me here? God uses money to test your faithfulness as a servant. That's why Jesus talked, you probably don't know this. As a theologian, you would know this. Jesus talks more about money than he did about either heaven or hell. He said, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, how you manage your money affects how much God can bless your life. Really, Pastor? And then you ask me the question, why do we talk about money so much here at the church? Actually, we don't talk much about it. I mean, if I, I probably should talk more about it. Because how you handle your money will determine how much of a servant you are see i believe people fall into two categories kingdom builders or wealth builders both are gifted at making a business grow or making deals sales make it profit wealth builders continue to amass wealth for themselves no matter how much they make but kingdom builders change the rules of the game i don't and i i'll be honest with you over the years of ministry i haven't seen a lot of kingdom builders they still try to make as much money as they can. These are kingdom builders. But they do it in order to give it away. They use the wealth to fund God's church and its mission in the world. Now, I'm not just talking about resources. I'm also talking about your gifts. All the things that you have, you are a servant of. You're, you're a steward of. Okay? So your, your test is going to be money. It's, it's, it will be money. And you need to learn how to handle it. See, every year I look, okay, how much more can I give in my resources to you? Lord? Every year. And every year I advance it. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing, how, what else do I do, Lord? How, how, can I, how can I expand? How can I be a kingdom builder this year? Yeah. And that's through the advancement of the, of the church, of course. Number three. I'm, I'm going to do five of these. It says I have three minutes and 33 seconds. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Okay, servants are doing and servants think about their own responsibilities, not what other servants are doing. In other words, they don't compare themselves, criticize, or compete with other servants or ministries. They're too busy doing the work God has given them. In other words, competition between God's servants is illogical for many reasons. And I hear this all the time. Well, I'd like to do that. I'd like to do this. And, you know, in, Internally, if you're not careful, you're going to start uh, envying or you're going to start being competition. It's not about that at all. We're all on the same team. Our goal is to make God look good. Did you hear me? Our goal is to make God look good. Not ourselves. We've been given different assignments and we're all uniquely shaped. Paul said, we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and or another or worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. There's no place for petty jealousy. Between servants, When you're busy serving, you don't have time to be critical. You don't. If, if you're really being a servant, any time spent criticizing others is time that could have been spent ministering. Think about it. When Martha complained to Jesus that, that Mary was not helping with the work, she lost her servant's heart. Real servants don't complain of unfairness, don't have pity parties. They don't resent those not serving. They just trust God and keep servants. I'm telling you, this is the key to the king. If we all did this, oh my word. It's not our job, in addition to this, to evaluate God's, his, our master, his other servants. The Bible says, who are you to criticize someone else's servant? The Lord will determine whether his servant has been successful. So it's also not our job to defend ourselves, and I'm gonna say this right now, this is a key. Can I just tell you right now? It's not your job to defend yourself against criticism. I'm telling you, you're going to get criticized. I mean, Pastor Shane said that this morning. We're going to get persecuted. We're going to get criticized. You know? It's not your job to defend yourself. You ask God to defend yourself. If you're his servant, he will defend you. The Bible's clear on that. If you go to the book of Psalms, if you read the tale of three kings, if you read you know, books that are, are, talk about this, your job is not to defend yourself against criticism. Let your master handle that. Yes. Follow the example of Moses who so, showed true humility in the midst of criticism. Nehemiah, whose response to critics, this is interesting. Read the book of Nehemiah. I mean, it's fascinating. He's getting criticized by all these critics that want to stop the work. You know what he said? Uh, my work is too important to stop now and visit with you. That's basically what he said. I can't stop. I'm, I'm like Jesus. You can, he didn't even entertain these critics. If you serve like Jesus, you can expect to be criticized. The world and even much of the church does not understand what God values the disciples criticized one of the most beautiful acts of love shown to Jesus in the Bible. The disciples did. Mary took the most valuable thing she owned, which was expensive perfume, and poured it over Jesus. Her lavish service was called a waste by the disciples. But Jesus called it really significant, loving, and kind. And that's all that mattered. Your service for Christ is never wasted. Regardless of what others say. Number four, real servants base their identity in Christ. They remember they are unconditionally loved and accepted by grace so they don't have to prove their worth when they're threatened by lowly jobs. <laughs> I, I, most of us are too insecure to be servants. We're afraid our weaknesses and insecurities will be uncovered so we hide them with layers of protective pride and pretensions. Do you, know what I, do you know how I test people? I give them lowly jobs. Not to see if they could do the job well. See how they handle it. You know, Pastor Mark Francie, we put them on janitor duty. He had to clean the toilets. I did the same thing when I was growing up. Do you know, every, when, even when I was, a, I was a head of the school, uh, I helped start a Christian school back in 1974. That's a long time ago, isn't it? And I I helped uh, start this school, and but every summer, school teachers, they're not teaching. So we had to assume other jobs within the context of the church. I became a janitor. I became, uh, I was over all the janitors and the whole the whole church thing. I was I I did everything imaginable. I I learned how to help an electrician. I was his assistant. I, I did all these things. I did everything. I, I tell people this. I did everything in the church except for being a cook in the Bible college. <laughs> I did most everything else. I painted. I went and painted the dorms. i in our Bible college. I did that during the summer. I, I, I did all these things that, I mean, you'd be shocked. But what it, what, what it did, it, it, it did something in me. I learned critical skills as well as learned how to be a variety of jobs. I've done more jobs than you'll ever do. Just different variety of jobs. Because what God was teaching me, I just want you to learn to serve and help others. Do you know that's my, that, that's, that's what I push our staff to do. I mean, haven't I talked to you guys about this? Do you know the greatest joy for me? The greatest joy for me is to see Staff members and people who are in leadership go and help people. My greatest joy isn't preaching. I can do that anytime. My greatest joy is to see people learn the names of people who are coming and hurting the door. And then they, they don't have really to learn their names. They they start praying for the children of the parents. Do you know why I stand at the door and I don't greet the parents, I greet the kids. I want to learn their names because the kids are important to Jesus. He said, let the little children come to me. And if our church is going to be a real church, we better, hurt, we better help those who are a little less lovable. Most pastors, oh, forget the kids, we'll take the parents. No, give me the kids. Give me the kids. And I'm here to tell you today that this church is to be a loving church of, of servant hearts that will, that's, what's going to change the world. You cannot, there is no defense against God's love. You can't defend against it. There's no, there's no way you can defend against it. There just isn't any defense. Uh, Zerubbabel, do you know every, he works at co-op. So every time I go in there, do you know who I look for? I look for my buddy Zerubbabel. Because when I see you, you make my day. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Because he has this wonderful spirit. He's happy. He's joyful. And he asked me, Pastor Ken, how you doing? And I go, oh, I like this guy. Because I like to be touched too. But just a he's just hes a member of the body of Christ that's really, really important to Jesus. So I go in there and I look every time. You don't know this, but I every time, oh, you're not here today. Oh. I want to talk to him. And he serves me. He, he, you know, he's at that deli meat counter thing right there. And, and I, I heard you lost your mom. Just today? Uh, uh, last, week. last week. Let me pray for you. Give me your hand. Father, I pray a grace upon Zerubbabel right now. Touch his heart. Minister. Give grace during grief. Cover him. Minister to him. Lord, we surround him with your love. Yes. We love him. And we bless him right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have no idea. You have no idea how much we love you. If you do, you wouldn't you wouldn't leave. I, I'm telling you people. Um the the leadership, the staff, they just love you dearly. And if they don't love you, I kick them in the seat of the pants. So they do. And that's why I'm here to tell you, let's all be the servants of God and just, just begin to do what we're called to do. You will never be happy until you're a servant. It's the happiest you can be. Ah, oh, where was I? Um, Real servants base their identity in Christ. There's, this is what I've said for years. Most pastors are too insecure to be pastors. Insecurity is the big, biggest scourge of, of pastors. Because they try, they're trying to prove themselves. I don't have to get up here and prove anything to you. I know who I am in Jesus. And you don't have to say anything to me. And I'm still, I'm still okay. That's the way you should be. I shouldn't have to tell you anything to know who you are in Christ. And so we, we, we need to understand that. One of the most profound examples of serving from a secure self-image is Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Washing feet was the equivalent of being a shoeshine boy. A job devoid of any kind of status. But Jesus knew he was. And didn't threaten or bother him. The Bible says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed the disciples' feet. I have a lot more, but I'm going to close in a few minutes. I'll come back for the second half. Is that okay? If you're going to be a servant, you must settle your identity in Christ. Your, your identity is not being a member of the Capitol church. Not being you know, a great leader in, in CYA. No, the more you are, you are secure in Jesus Christ and only secure people can serve. The more insecure you are, the more you'll want people to serve you. And the more you'll need their approval. On the other hand, when, when you base your worth and identity on your relationship to Christ, you are freed from the expectation of others and you're free to serve. Is this really good? If you could only catch this, this would change your life. You see, servants don't need to uh, cover their walls with plaques and awards to validate their work. They don't insist on being addressed by titles and they don't wrap themselves in robes of superior, superiority. Servants find status symbols unnecessary and they never measure their worth by their achievements. Paul said, you may brag about yourself, but the only approval that counts is the Lord's approval. Amen. If anyone had the chance of a lifetime to flaunt his connections and name drop, it was probably the half-brother of Jesus. He had the cred- credentials, think about this, he had the credentials of growing up with Jesus as his brother. Yet in introducing his letter in the book of James... He simply referred to himself as a servant of God and the Lord Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the less you need to promote yourself. Did you hear that? I close with this. I have a whole nother message. I was gonna try to, it's just an addition to this. I'll come back and do that one. Is that okay? If you'll let me. I I end with this number five. Real servants think of ministry as an opportunity, not an obligation. They enjoy helping people. They enjoy meeting needs. They enjoy doing ministry. I, I do. I enjoy touching people, seeing their lives change. I mean, I can tell you story after story. They serve the Lord with gladness. Why do we serve with gladness? Because we love the Lord. We're great. We're grateful for His grace. We know serving is the highest use of life and God has promised a reward. Jesus promised, the Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. And Paul added this, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians. Imagine what could happen if just 10% of all Christians in the world got serious about their role of being a real servant. Think about what could happen in this room. 10%, 20%, 30%, all of us. Can I tell you this? If we all would become servants, we become the best messengers of the gospel. And you know what would happen? This room would be filled in a matter of time. I mean, real quick. Because we're loving people, we're caring for people. I'm not just telling you to, to be a servant in the house. You'd be a servant wherever you find yourself the best servant. Anna, I just, I want to recognize, she, here's a girl who, she got through interns and everything, but she comes in and serves Pastor Mark Thornton. Just, what what do you need, Pastor Mark? You don't know, he tells me all the time. And she just loves to help, just loves to help. She comes in and serves, she's behind the scenes, she doesn't ask for anything. Just, I just say, bless her. I So I pray for you, I, I pray blessing and there's so many of you, the same way, you come in and, and, and you serve with, see, true servants don't have to be honored and get something in return. It's true. And can I, can I just tell you a few other things? Just, uh, so if you're involved in a ministry, do you know what I do? I watch what you do when someone else, I'll give you an example. On worship team. If you're on the worship team, I'm going to hit you here. If you're on the worship team, I watch what you do your, when you're not on the worship team. Are you supporting those who are? I even kind of check out your worship in here. I mean, it's one thing to be up here and worship. I'm not, and I'm not picking on the worship team because they're they're. I think they're all great, et cetera. But wherever, whatever area you're in, it could be prayer, it could be a children's ministry, it could be, are you supporting those when you're not involved on that Sunday? I check people. I, you don't know this. I do it all the time. I have this calculating mind. I love math, so I'm just, tick, 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 tick. And I think it's very important that you find yourself supporting those who are ministering even when you're not on call I check it out this is why I try to I try to even uh, you know, do this for I, I'm sitting down here but do you know every Sunday I get excited because I'm going to hear a message from somebody do you know I take notes do you want to see my phone I have notes on every, every person who's come into the, into the church and for the last I don't know how many years it's all on my phone I can bring it up I can tell you what Chris spoke on two years ago and two months ago on a specific Sunday. I have all the notes because I believe we all can learn. I don't, I, you're not too ever too high to not be taught and not to learn and not to be a servant. We've got to learn that, and that's that's why I, I I I love telling you these things because I think this church could be the greatest serving church in the entire world. I think that's what's going to change our 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 city, our our valley, and the nation. When, when, when we went into D.C., this is what we said: we just go into those congressmen and senators' offices who were you would know them. I, if I told you who I walked into and talked to, you oh yeah, I see him all the time on TV. We go in there and we say. Um, you know, all we want to do is say thank you for all your service. We come just to, and we say we we wanna we wanna pray for you, and if we can serve you in any way, that's what we say. And it blows him away because I had one congressman one time. He says, after I got done telling him that, he says, you know, I'm blown away. I've never had anybody come to my office and say that. He said, every day I have a digital. It's like a a clock. And it's a digital. Readout of how much money I'm asked for every day. He says, you're a gift to me today. And this was, we had a team with us. And, but what we were you there to do? And it, it opened the door. All of a sudden, his heart opened up. And he said, hey, have you gone through the Capitol? I'd like to take you there. It's, congressmen don't take you on, on guided tours of the Capitol. That's the interns that do that. He took us over there, and we we met. We became fast. We became really good friends. Yeah. And I'm telling you, um, servanthood will put you in places where you've never been before because it's the heart of Jesus. It's not exalting yourself. It's serving. It's loving. It's caring. That's what I want to see this house. I want to see this as a house of servanthood. Can we, can, is it possible we could do this? And see the kingdom of God advance and people grow. And I could tell you all kinds of stories, but it's 845. Um, I do want, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that your heart changes. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.